0: I, I want to real quick invite, real quick, everybody that was here. that We had regularly 8 to 10 people um, up here praying and fasting um, this week at, at 6.30 in the morning. So if, if you were here, come up here real quick. I just, real quick, I want you to hear briefly. I told Ari, Eddie, keep it tight. <laughs> just, uh, this was, uh, if, Chris, what are you doing? Come on, Tracy. David, you were here. Jeez. Okay, just real quick, because these men and women, many of you, when you are working, were praying and, and fasting. This isn't the only ones, but, but it was a powerful week, um, and I, I just want each one. You got, you got a couple words. Okay, look here. Oh, no, wait, don't pull that wait, up. Wait. You got a list. No, I got a list. I come no. in here wanting to know about fasting. This thing ain't working. That, that's working. It's All a- right, I come in here to
1: ask about fasting. I, okay, it says no bread. All right, I don't get to have any bread. So what? What? Is, it, what is, it, is there? Uh, was it? I ask you for. Has it got? What in it? Bread. Cook.
0: Uh, uh, cereal.
1: Cereal. Yeah. Okay. Can I have circles? Is that bread? Can I have rice? Is that bread? He goes, you're splitting hairs. And then the other thing is, how about the name tags? We was praying and we was praying for everybody, and it's like, Yes. What's so and so's name? What's so and so's name? So, it's a wonderful experience. I'm telling you, you should have been here. We love you. We miss you. And we talked about all of you.
0: And God <laughs> loves you. Thank you. Go ahead. Quick.
2: Um, I just want to share, I was, like, reluctant to go. And I'm like, oh, 630 in the morning on a weekday, like, no. And then I, it was Tuesday night, and I looked for uh, what was Wednesday's fasting, the topic. And it was so what was going on just in my personal life with my family. And, and then so many of you guys shared too, and other people that, um, have family members dealing with some similar stuff in the church. And it was just so powerful and I felt so energized and just so much clarity and then just hope for changes in, in our families. So I just encourage you to come on Wednesdays and, and feel that power of praying together. That's good. Thanks Jill. So,
3: um, gosh, um, the thing that the Lord highlighted for me, so I always think, see things like a flurry of um, a blizzard, like God's blessings, God's blessing. Well, today it turned into, or this week it turned into a kaleidoscope of colors, and I it kind of honed in. And the thing that I just got was the Lord calls us to forgive and to pray for our enemies so sometimes that looks like family members sometimes that looks like somebody who hurt us and and you guys if you want if you want power we have to forgive we have to um, find forgiveness where we have to ask for forgiveness where it's due from the lord first and and maybe if it's appropriate from the person but until we're forgiving others and we're praying for our enemies um we probably won't see too much breakthrough God, god bless you thank you
4: and you know, sometimes we, we are our own worst enemies. But um, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm new here. Um, it's my third time last Sunday. And I sat here and I listened to John. John's like, oh, we're going to fast. And we're going to pray at 6.30 in the morning in a group. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. That's Maybe you guys might, but I'm not going to. Then I went home and I'm like... Just got overwhelmed. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go. I had the Holy Spirit's like, you gotta go. I'm like, okay. Showed up. He came. I came. Yeah. Yep. Monday, you know, said three words on Monday. Said about 13 words on Tuesday. Didn't eat. Starving on Monday. Starving. <laughs> Four o'clock. I'm like, oh gosh, please. Just kept going. Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday, I'm I'm part of the group. I don't yep. I don't even I told that's these guys true. I go I don't even uh, know no. these people, <laughs> and I don't know anybody here yeah. except a couple a couple over there, <laughs> and that's it. I love it because it's bring a friend day. So anyway, <laughs> Thursday, you know, same thing, and then it just kept going. I'm like Friday, it's over Friday, right? No. <laughs> Saturday, <laughs> and, and it was tough, but. Every morning, that the power of praying in a group is something I never experienced, and wow, wow, it was so strengthening. It was just, it was incredible. So I had a great time, and um, I really just I shed a bunch of layers, and it brought me perspective that I didn't, I couldn't, I thought I was looking at everything just right because I'm, Mm. I know everything, right? So it was just fantastic, you know. And what I learned, now that it's, it's here, we're here, I learned that when I, when I don't, whatever it is, I, I have a little bit of trouble saying this, but whatever it is, I don't need it. You know, whatever, whatever, whenever Satan's come to tell me, like, tempt me, saying, you need this, I don't need it. Amen. And he comes every day. So you need this. And it's not, a, it's not a choice. It's not something I'm saying, wow, that would be great. He said, no, you need it. And you're coming in chains. And there's no way that you're getting away. Right? It's good. So anyway, I learned that I do not if I don't need food, I don't need anything else. It's good. You know, I, nothing. So that's what I learned.
0: I love it.
1: I love it. <laughs> Eddie, you literally have 10 seconds. Hey, and he told, he, John tells me to keep it tight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I had a few amazing experiences this week that I did want to share with you, but I'm going to do my best to keep this tight. But what I want to encourage all of you is you don't have to do this with the church. This is something that you do with God. So if any of you haven't fasted or haven't done it, I encourage you on your time to do it with God because he's going to stretch you out he's going to clear you up and you're going to experience things you haven't experienced before and it was it was truly an incredible week I thought I was stretched out already well he stretched me out broke me down a little more and I couldn't be more grateful but you can do this with you and him you don't have to do it because we all did it this week so pray about it if it's on your heart when you're in that time, whatever it is that you give up and you want it, talk to God at that time and you're not going to want it. So just uh, pray about it. Thank you.
4: It's good.
2: Uh, Colossians, or excuse me, uh, Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Um, it's kind of funny standing up here because we're not really supposed to let other people know we're fasting so so we're not like spiritually proud or anything but it was so beautiful fasting with everybody and one of the things that really popped out to me and that i've been kind of marinating in this week is just humility and pride and Mm -hmm. and pride is like something that sometimes we don't really realize that we have and god will not inhabit a place with pride you had jesus said Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He says, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so when we don't eat, we're sort of humbling ourselves because it weakens us. You know, when we, whether it's your fasting from food, which can be really difficult, um, or you're fasting from media, you're making space for the Lord to speak to you. Mm -hmm. And just, I just encourage you to do that, you know, and, honestly like if you if you turn down media you'll notice your joy and your peace starts to come up That's good. and uh yeah so Amen. i just encourage you guys to just stretch yourself a little bit and just watch how god fills in those gaps Amen. thank you josh so
5: good, so good. i think um, my favorite part was praying for each one of you individually yeah. and i'm looking around now and i i i mean there's like I can think of just a handful that we did not say your name specifically. And it's funny because everybody kind of tends to sit in the same place. And so we're just kind of closing our eyes and visually picturing um, the sanctuary. and. Okay, we pray for this person, this person, this person. So we are, like, we're in there and we're praying, and I know you're praying on your own for your own stuff, but if you ever do, or if you're ever walking through a season where it's very heavy for you and you would welcome additional prayer, we do encourage you to let us know. Um... Because, you know, the when Kenny says we're talking about you, we're talking to Jesus about you. And um, he's he's listening, and so we want to be able to partner with you and come alongside you. So we're praying for you by name anyway. So if you have specific prayer requests, um, Trisha always goes um, to the website for us. And she, because um, she always is up here too. She's just really busy with work right now, but she's always a part of this team. And she goes and she texts us in every morning. Holly, Holly isn't able to come in the morning. But every Wednesday morning, Holly texts us a long prayer request list that we pray over, that we partner with her over. Um, and then, again, the worksheets that we passed out that we went off of, even if you're not fasting. The fasting is a powerful component of it, and we encourage that. But even if you're not um the time and the work and the prayer that John put into preparing those worksheets, it's really valuable and good stuff. So I encourage you to take that. We probably have some extra ones if you need one. But take that and go and just throughout the year kind of apply those principles over your relationships, over your finances, over your health and safety, different um, things like that. So
0: it's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh. Yep. One more. One more.
5: Okay,
3: so we pray every Wednesday and six thirty is really early. But you guys, we have another opportunity. At 9.30 in the morning, we pray here in the sanctuary. We kind of pray for everyone. But then we go over to the um, kids' room. And so, you guys, if you've got something on your heart, this is my vision. By summertime, those picnic tables will be full of people who come early to church and have fun and bring prayer to pray for one another.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, will you take that? Sorry. Thank you. It was... Uh, it was a powerful time. We prayed and fasted because there's an enemy. We showed you a video that, that is is going on Amazon or Amazon Prime that is the story of hell. That is in cartoon form. That is making the equivalence of of God and the devil, and in fact saying God's the mean God and the devil is the one who brings hope. They're exchanging hell for righteousness. So whether you like it or not, there's a fight going on. There's a fight going on. Next step for our families, and, and we talked about this, but I just, where, where'd, my, where'd my slide go? Sorry. I had a, sorry, I had a slide for marriage. So next step, fighting for our families is, is you, you saw the slide. We'll, we'll keep hammering you on it. Um, <laughs> hammering you on it. We'll keep in... <laughs> Well, Eddie will hammer you. I'll come with a little love and we'll call it the even. There, there, um, we, we really want you to be here for this. Well, if we're saying we're fighting for our families, this prayer and fasting was the kickoff, and then we're going into a time with marriages to strengthen your marriage for your children, and then we're going to go into time, we're going to have a time for a parenting class, we're going to do all kinds of things. We are not just, this isn't just, oh, something nice we want to do for the next year. No, no, no. I am convinced that it's not going to get better, it's going to get more difficult, and I am convinced the only thing that will get me through the difficulty is God's word and the men and women God's called me to. Walk with. We said it last week. Don't walk this alone. Press into family, press into others. And this is one of the ways we'll do it with, with our marriages. Thanks, Jake. Um, oh, can we go back to the slide? Sorry. I, I, these poor guys, just give them a, a hand because I, every, every week I send them 14 different things in different orders and they've got to make sense of my mess. So thank you guys. You guys are great. Um, Okay, we're in Ephesians, and it's interesting how it lines up. We're talking about fighting. And our scripture today in Ephesians 4, in this short passage, the Apostle Paul provides particular instructions for Christian living and how to fight for our families. He doesn't say families. It's assumed in the passage because he's talking about the family of God. But he gives us real practical ways to do that. So why is this so important we have to understand what and who we are fighting against and fighting for. We have to know what, what the fight, what we're stepping into to really feel the weight of the importance of the fight that we're in. We have to understand that in, in the art of war, uh, Sun Tzu says this, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. And, and I put that up there. There's plenty of scriptures in the Bibles that I could use, but I put that up there because this, this book, The Art of War, which is last of the time and, and, and people read, and, and it, I put it up there because the principle is true, whether it be in a physical war that we're seeing in the Middle East or, or, or in Ukraine or wherever else, or it would be a spiritual battle that you and I are in, the principles are still true. I wanted you to have a quick look at your adversary because it's important to know. I showed that video because I wanted you to have a a peek into your adversary. First Peter 5.8 says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Have you seen a kid? Have you seen a family? Have you seen anyone devoured by the pit of hell and the enemy? Second Corinthians 11:14. 14, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. We just watched it on that video. They're trying to make Satan, this angel of light, masquerade in this cartoon. Genesis 4, 7, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. It, it is, it's, this is a picture of the enemy. Whether you like it or not, whether we're willing to engage or not, whether we're willing to fight or not. These verses and many more reflect the biblical perspective on the devil as a deceiver, a tempter, a liar, and an adversary to humanity. That's who he is. It, but, but this is what I love. In Ephesians 4, Deuteronomy 6, we, we put the, our, our verse for the year on this wall here, Deuteronomy 6. And it's, I, I love that, that Ephesians 4, what we're going to get ready to dump, jump into a little bit, it, and Deuteronomy 6. Both Moses and Paul, their emphasis is on this, resisting the devil through faith, resisting the devil with the word of God, and aligning yourself with God's teaching. Both of them do that. Throughout the scripture, we see this. Learning to fight for you and your family is essentially what they're talking about. Learning how to fight for your life. Learning how to fight through that depression. Learning how to fight through that addiction. Learning how to fight through everything the world is sending your way. Learning how to fight what they want to do to your children. Learning how to fight and say no. So Paul is saying... It's fascinating to me. This this word is alive and active, and it's amazing to me that that from, from, you know, some 2,000 years ago, Paul writes these words that are so applicable to our life today, that Moses writes the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 that is so, so powerful in our life today. If we'll just grab a hold of it and start to walk in it. Start to walk in it in spite of our failures. Fall down, get back up. This isn't soccer, this is hockey. Come on, that was funny. It took a second. I'm trying to lighten it up a little bit. There's a fight and we're right in the middle of it. Therefore, Moses and Paul give us a practical way to fight. And and, and this morning with a little bit of time, I wanna break down Ephesians 4, 25 through 32 and what the fight looks like. And next week, I'm going to break down Deuteronomy 6 and what Moses was saying to us. Here we go. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, the weapons of warfare. You guys got you with me? It's, 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 it's heavy in here. Is it too heavy? Am I too serious? Am I like, okay, this is serious stuff I get, but everybody's focused. I got no sleepers yet, so that's good. Um, I say yet, but not yet. We're good. All right, Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Ephesians 4, 25 says this, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Paul says, speaking the truth to our neighbors literally says this put away falsehood get rid of the falsehoods. Paul tells us to be truth tellers. He tells us to embrace truth in our words, interacting with one another, interacting at church, interacting in the world in every aspect. But Proverbs says this. So you got to marry the two truths here. Proverbs says in 16:24, gracious words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. There are several levels of truth we're speaking with that we have never had to, or I have it in my lifetime. Several levels. See, when I grew up, you know, my dad and mom would just tell me, John, they call me John, I don't know. Johnny, don't lie, that is wrong. It's a level of truth. It's a foundational truth. There's, there's, there are lies and there's truth. But today, We have to battle a level of truth that goes to another level, to another place. I'm going to offend someone. I don't care because it's the truth of God. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm just reading what Jesus said. But today, the level of truth has gone to another level, and that lie that we have to deal with is, Johnny, you're a girl. So not think about the confusion in a young boy's mind. You can't tell a young boy or girl that is a lie. Do not lie. We don't lie in our house, whatever it might be. So then what do you do with the fact when you tell them that is a lie, and then someone tells them that you're a girl, or you can be whatever you want, you can be a girl or a boy. Think about the, the, the confusion in their mind. There are several levels of truth that we have to deal with that we never had to deal with before. Oh, someone's, someone's leaving the church. Wokeness is a slippery slope to relativism. You want to know what relativism is? the, The dictionary says this of relativism. The doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relationship to culture society, historical context, and are not absolute. In other words, as culture changes, as people change, as people develop, as people grow, then truth moves around with the growth of people. It's not absolute. What's good then is not necessarily good now that is good then that won't be good tomorrow. The truth of this word has stood for over 6,000 years and has not changed and I will continue and I do to stand on this truth because let me tell you, the world's truth is perverted. It's jacked up and it doesn't bring peace. Tell some young boy or young girl that they aren't what they are. It does not bring peace, it brings confusion and, and difficulty and strife. It's difficult. Relativism is, is permeating our, our, our country. The foundation of truth starts with creation. If we lose truth at birth, we will lose it at every turn. Think about that for a moment. We lose truth at birth, we'll lose it every single turn. From there on, the very essence of humanity sits at at the moment that a child is birthed out of his mother and screams and cries that beautiful sound when you birth a child. Humanity sits right there to deny X or Y, to deny the creator. For a child to come out and you see very clearly it's a boy, you know why, and very clearly it's a girl, to deny that and say you can be whatever you want says there is no God. Period. I, I didn't mean to get all excited this morning. I think it's because it's part of because I'm fasting. Everything seems brighter and clearer. I don't know. <laughs> the essence of humanity sits the moment a child is delivered. Conversely, and I didn't put this in my notes, or the moment a, a child is extinguished. The key here for the church is this, Proverbs 16, 24, how do we be gracious with our words so that they're they're, they're like honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones? You know, the, the angry Christian is not the answer. The in your face, you're going to hell, you're a sinner, you're wrong is not the answer. So the Bible says it's with grace, it's with mercy, it's with compassion. It's that why I put those questions, if brokenness grabs you, then I think you're on the right trick is because this. When I see what I see in this world, my heart breaks for that person, for that young man, that lady, whomever it is. There's a brokenness inside. Not an anger. There's an anger for sin. There's an anger for what the world is doing, but not for the person. So the the key to truth is gracious words. The key to truth is sometimes don't say a word. The key to truth is sometimes just loving someone right where they're at and not lecturing. And the Bible says, be angry without sinning, our next point Paul uh, tells us about. Ephesians four twenty six to through 27, be, ang- be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Being angry without sinning, that's, that's a tough one. I, 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 anger is my friend, and it's. I, I constantly have to deal with it. I know I'm not the only one in here. It's. I, I carry him with me. I, I, I. It's my go-to. It's. It's why my wife hung up on me twice this week. It's why I, I just. It anger is not my friend. Not the context in which I carry anger. You see, because anger is a natural emotion and a gift from God. Why? Because if you don't have a righteous anger, you're not going to fight. My son's in the military because there's just this, I want to fight for that which is right, that which is good. Husbands, men, you need to fight. You need to have a righteous anger when someone is is not treating your daughter well or someone is not treating your son well or someone's not treating your wife well. Wives, you need to have a righteous anger when someone's dealing with your family indifferently and not the way that God has called them to. Paul is saying our unrighteous anger gives the devil a foothold though. See, when I walk in righteous anger, and I'm broken for what the world is doing. And in myself, I'm like, what, what it drives me to is that I actually do something or take a stand. If you're not willing to take a stand for truth, there's not righteous indignation, righteous anger in your soul. I, I, I love Jesus models it. Like you couldn't preach it unless you watched Jesus do this twice nonetheless. And in this case, Jesus does this. Jesus answered the temple courts and drove out all those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables and the money changers and the breach and, and, and benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, that my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making a den of robbers. It literally, in, one, it, uh, in another time, he, he takes a, a whip and starts beating and, and just tearing the place up. There's a righteous anger because he said, My house is not for sale. My people are not for sale. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the religious people, they're all about the money. Selling Jesus. Selling Jesus. And Jesus said, No, 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 that's not happening in my house. I would love to, I wanna see that scene over again in heaven. I wanna watch. Jesus, is the power and the, because Jesus walks in meekness and, and the world thinks meekness is weakness and it's not. Meekness is not weakness. We, meekness means this. The word meek literally means strength under control. We need meek men in this world. Jesus walks in the temple, meek, humble, and he goes, nope, that's not happening here. And tears it up. Oh, it makes me happy. See the issue for me, maybe some of you, is many of us are just straight out angry. Angry at life, angry at our wife, angry at our kids, angry at the guy next to you in the car that cuts you off or flipped you off. Angry at nothing. Angry at the stupidest things, sorry Chris, angry at just foolishness angry at our financial situation. Fill in the blank. But, but, but here's the problem with that anger. Here's the question. Why aren't we more angry at our sin? Why, why are we not more angry at the injustices of white, black, yellow, green, blue, whatever color? Why are we not more angry at the injustice that there's more slavery today than in any time in the history of the world. And not only is there more slavery today than any time in the history of the world, but it's a billion-dollar industry for children. How do we sit here and worship Jesus and not have that tension with worship, thank you, oh, God, and and go, okay, God, what have you called me to? And it, it may be as simple as prayer. For some of you, maybe as, as, as powerful as getting involved in doing something. At the very least, I know it's prayer. Why are we more angry about abuse and divorce? Why is divorce so commonplace? Therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus if you are divorced. That's uh, not, it's not what I'm talking about here. But it shouldn't be a regularity. It should be, you know, an exception. I mean, gee, I'm not going to get into that. But it, 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 why are we not more angry that, there are, that there's fatherlessness out there? Why? Why are we so willing to accept it? Why are we not more angry that men in the church don't stand next to the women who have kids that are single or, or divorced or left alone? Why are we not angry that we're not taking care of them? And, and let me just say... That doesn't happen in this church that I know of because we've got incredible men that step up and cover families of single moms. Some of us need to examine our hearts because we have given the devil a foothold through our anger. You go, why can't I get over this? Why can't I deal with it? Why, why can't I? Why can't I? You know what? Because as the scripture said, the, the, the enemy, the evil one, is, is sitting at the door, crouched, ready to just jump. And, that, and when that door opens, and that door that opens is the door of anger. And when I open that door of anger, the enemy goes, all right, I got a foothold. I can step in. And, 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 and we don't see victory. We don't see peace. We don't see power. We don't see God moving. We go, I wonder why. You know why? because of my anger." Paul says righteous anger and unrighteous anger. He tells us to walk in righteous anger. Ephesians four twenty-eight. <clears throat> let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with someone in need work and share. Paul, Paul urges people here. He, he urges us, those who, who, who used to engage in theft, to turn away from such behavior, instead engage in honest work. He's going, look, you are know, a thief. And, and, and the reality is this. Many of you are going, I'm not a thief. He's not talking to me now. I don't steal. Paul's definitely not talking to me. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. What about this? You may not like breaking in and, and bum-rushing Nordstroms and grabbing purses. Like Jeremiah used to do. That, you know, where is he? Uh, gosh, he's not here to get, oh, he's in the baby room. Hopefully he saw that on the screen. He'll hear, okay. <laughs> I'm not talking about that, although I, hopefully I'm not talking about it. But I'm talking about just, just the integrity of walking. What about your taxes? What about your time? Are, are, are you, is your time balanced with your children and your wife? With your loved ones, with your grandchildren, with your neighbors. Ooh, he's stepping on feet now. What about your tithe? Because in Malachi 3, it says this. Very clearly, God goes, hey, 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 wait a second here. You're robbing from me. Oh, it gets quiet. I love it. What about your work? How about an honest day's work? How about giving all that you are? for what you're doing so that your boss and the people around you look man, that guy's different. He's not cutting the corners of this job. He's working his you know what off. And the boss goes, there's something different about him. Why does Paul say this matters? He finishes in verse 28, he says, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need, Uh, others. This whole scripture from Genesis to Revelation is about others. The fight that we're fighting is about others. The fight that we're called to engage in, about others. Ephesians 4, 29, another tough one. Let no corrupt talk come from your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. It's Paul saying, he's saying, guard your speech. Paul encourages us to speak in a way that builds up others rather than tearing them down. Our words should be laced with grace to those who hear them. As a believer, this grace is constantly going forth. It's constantly going forth in my words. And in, when you speak truth in love, grace can go forth in our words and still be truth. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. God created the universe... With words. He spoke into existence. You know why we prayed and fasted? Because we were we were literally speaking things into existence. When we prayed for many of your children, we we're speaking into existence their destiny and their purpose in Jesus. When we prayed over your marriages, we spoke life into the marriages. We spoke hope into your marriages. We spoke Jesus. We spoke these words because God spoke, and it was. And some of you are wrestling through whatever you're wrestling through in life, and you need to start speaking life over your situation and truth over your situation. Why? Because words have meaning. Words hold power. Societies are, 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 are kept together around language and words. Marriages and families are kept together around language. And words, it's this, it's who's eating your fruit? Who's eating the fruit of your words? Everybody's eating the fruit of your words. Everybody's eating it. When I say everybody, everybody that you come into contact with is eating the fruit of the words. Some of just tuned you out because they don't want your fruit because it's complete crap. Some of you are, are, are grabbing on the next word that you speak because it brings life to their souls. Who's eating the fruit of your words? Your wife? Your kids, your co-workers, your family, the guy or the guy at the store that's listening to your conversation that you didn't think was listening, uh, the guy on the ice that I just don't like, that I'd rather cuss at him, who's eating your words and what are they eating? Uh, words will determine the trajectory of your life and of your children's. Think about that for a moment. Your words that you speak will determine the trajectory. Henry Ford said this, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you are correct. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 4, number 5 is, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the days of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Paul's given us instructions. He's given us a battle plan. He's telling us how to fight. And he he goes here, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Avoid grieving the Holy Spirit. Paul reminds us here not to engage in behavior that would would just grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't engage in, in relationships or drink or smoke or sex or whatever it is that God has not called you to engage into that would grieve the Holy Spirit. What are some of the other things that he talks about that grieve the Holy Spirit? Resisting the will of God, he talks about in Acts 7, 51. You stiff-necked people. He literally goes hardcore there. I love it. Uncircumcised in the heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Ignoring God's guidance. You know, you want to grieve the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit tells you to go left. You go, eh, I think I'm going to go right. The Holy Spirit tells you to go right. And you go, eh, I think I'm going to go left. You want to grieve the Holy Spirit? I I understand that as a father because when I would ask a kid to do something and they did the very opposite it would grieve my soul i can only imagine what god the father who is omnipotent omniscient omnipresent who is 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 the creator of all when i do left when he says right how it grieves his soul persisting in sin grieves the holy spirit Engaging in sinful behavior, including lying, anger, stealing, corrupt speech, what we just talked about. This is Ephesians' passage and the actions that will grieve the Holy Spirit. <sighs> Lastly, in Ephesians 4, he says this Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted forgiving one another as as God in Christ forgave you she so says th- see, here's the deal this fight that we're called to is one that's 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 sprinkled with God's grace don't think you're going to do it on your own you start doing it in your own flesh you'll lose your children Mark my words. You start dealing with your children in your own flesh, apart from the grace of this word, you will lose your children. Paul lists a number of attitudes that we have to fight against. Bitterness, wrath, anger, slander, and malice, among many others. There's a fight. There's a fight going on. No way around it. I would love, I would, I mean, I would love to come and that worship was so fun and come up here and give three points to a better life and how to eat ice cream and, 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 and hug puppies and, and, and how do you, you know, I, that would, and just warm my heart. And I'm like, God, why can't I just preach that message? Why do I have to be the, the, the guy up there that, that is, is, I don't know. Eh. You're, you're here and if this is your church, you're visiting today, love you, thank you. I, I, you know, sometimes I'm a little less intense, but, you know, um, it, it, welcome back. I would love to have you back. But but if you're here today and you call this your church, you kind of know that I'm, I can be, you know, that. I hate to lose. I hate to lose. God, you guys know what I'm talking about. These guys are expert Brazilian jiu-jitsu, bad-A people. I hate to lose. And God has taken that same spirit and he wants to put it in the men in this church and say, I've called you that you won't lose your children. I've called you to fight so you won't lose your marriages. It's time for the church to stand up. It's time for the church to fight. And Paul has encouraged us to be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving, following the example of God's forgiveness in Christ. Ephesians 4 gives us the tools to do what Deuteronomy 6 tells us to do which is fight for our families. You may not like the messenger. I'm all right with that. But you cannot deny the message. Truth. Deuteronomy, which we'll look at next week. So now what? Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Give them inside of you. Get them inside of you. And then get them inside of your children. That's the fight we're in. That's the fight that I believe God has called us to to sharpen this church this year. And again, you may say, I don't have any kids. Well, maybe someday. Somebody's saying, I just got rid of my kids. You know what? They're getting ready to have grandkids. <laughs> The fight won't be over until I stand before God someday. You know why? Because I just showed you a video of of the world and the perversion of the world and what they want. I refuse. I have too many children. I have too many. I refuse to quit. Let's get in the fight. Let's get in the fight. And for some of you in your heads, I know you're going, oh, what does that really mean? I know you preach that word stuff. Look, it means. It is the reason we prayed and fasted last week. It's the reason we're asking you to come to a marriage conference to equip you to fight for your marriage. It's the reason we're going to do a, a, a children's parenting um, uh, conference to equip you to parent your children. It's the reason that that next week, starting next week, I've got little Bible studies and Bibles and children's Bibles for you to take if you have children. Don't take them and resell them. But if you have children to take and grab and and, and give them to your grandchildren or give them to your. It's an open door for you to go and actually do what we're saying. If all I did was get up here and preach and yell at you and didn't give you tools to do, then go somewhere else. We'll teach you what it means to fight through God's Word. That's what He's told us to do. That's what He's told us. As, as, as the worship team comes, comes back up, I want to... Uh, no. No clapping. Uh, don't clap. As the worship team comes back up, I... I I just, let's stay in this, this attitude of humility. I'm sure someone got hit between the eyes. I got hit between the eyes today. I'm sure someone's wrestling with one of those things. I'm wrestling with basically all of them. But this is the beauty of church and God's grace and communion. This is why I love receiving communion. Every week. Because at the end of the message, and you can throw that communion slide up if, if, you, if you get a chance, at the end of the message, we, we have this opportunity to, to repent and be thankful. And, 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 and as we get ready to receive the elements, which are so precious and holy, and, and we hold on to, and I don't think we always do a good job of it. I, I, the, the, the Catholic Church has this, this sacredness of, of communion and unfortunate. The Protestants, in many ways, we don't carry that sacredness. I, I, I want this moment to be holy. And the way it's holy is that, that before I come and receive the elements, the, the, the bread that, that Jesus says he gives, that would be a reminder... And the blood that would be a reminder of, or the wine that would be a reminder of his blood, he says, before you do this, do it in remembrance of me and, and, and examine your heart. So my ask for you before you come and receive is that you just take a moment and just examine your life. And maybe it's a time to repent or maybe it's a time to say thank you. Maybe it's a time to do both. But feel the weight of this moment. And the weight sits at a cross some 2,000 years ago when Jesus spread his arms and said, For you. And we come and we receive with reverence. We come and we receive with a humble heart because of who he is who he's called me to be. Let's pray. Father, as we examine our hearts, we say, forgive me. God, as we examine our hearts, we say, thank you. Oh, Father God, thank you for your Son, Jesus, who died on the cross for my sins, that I might have life. Now give me the strength to fight for that which is right. It says, in the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He says, this is my body that was broken for you. He says, when when you gather as a church, he says, eat this in remembrance of me. And then, then he took the wine that represented his blood. And he said, said when, when you, again, when you gather like this in this church, receive the wine that represents the forgiveness of your sins. And, and do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.